This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Welcome back to the Indiana Pioneer Agronomy podcast. I'm Ben Jacob, joined today by co-host Brian Schrader. Brian, how are you this morning? Very good, Ben. Glad to be here. Good. So today's guest, we have we have two additional guests. We have, um, I guess you could call it a new agency, guys. You're going to have to fill us in on it. But we have um, Brian Bush joining us again as a returning guest. Brian, how are you this morning? Doing wonderful, Ben. Glad to be here. And as well, we have Rick Hoeing. Rick, how are you? I'm good. Sun's shining uh, today, so uh, today's going to be a good day. Good. So let's start. You guys, you know, you guys have um, recently joined together to create a new agency. Um, Rick, if you wouldn't mind starting, giving us a little bit of a background um, about about your time with Pioneer, how you came to be, how you came to um, be a sales rep, and then how you know how everything how everything manifested into what you have today. Sure. Sure. No. Uh, so. Um, been with Pioneer for, I guess, uh, going on eight years, nine years now. And, um, you know, I spent my early part of my career in, uh, in the technology world in agriculture and, uh, always said I'd never sell seed. And that's why, uh, you know, you never say never. So, but, uh, but we're here today, um, created a, a business called H2 Ag Solutions. Um, back probably in 2014, we kicked that off. Uh, with uh, my business partner David Hamilton, and um, and we've been uh, we've been we've been going going well in uh, Southern Shelby County, Bartholomew County, Decatur County areas, um, growing both the Pioneer Seed business and the the digital uh, granular digital business as well. So uh, spent uh, you know several several years there um, building that business up and. Uh, and doing things that, uh, that most pioneer agencies do, but, uh, um, trying to do it at a very high level and, and offer services that, uh, that partner, partner ourselves with the growers. And, um, that's where, that's kind of what we built our, our reputation on and, uh, we've, we've been successful. Good. So Brian, you're, um, you know, your, your history with pioneer is, long and not exactly it's a little bit of a winding road I suppose one could describe it that way uh, so you give us a little bit of your background and you know how you came to how you came to start selling and so I've been with uh, been with Pioneer almost 20 years um, spent 10 years in research and spent almost almost 10 years as agronomist uh, most recently being the field agronomist covering southeastern Indiana about one year ago almost uh, to this time an opportunity came up, had a, a sales agency that where something went sideways and I was offered the opportunity to, to take that over. So I jumped at it. Um, and like all company employees, you look at things and go, well, I know exactly what, what a sales rep does and how to make this work. Um, and you realize quickly, oh, I think I knew part of this, but you got to find good people around you. Uh, Rick and, uh, and his team at H2 Ag uh, were the first ones to jump up and say, whatever you need, we're here to help out. You know, I, we worked well together when I was the agronomist. So Rick and I worked kind of hand in hand on a lot of his customers. He did a lot of agronomy trials, which really interested me, kept me involved there. So uh, we worked very well together this year and then got about through the wintertime and said, hey, this is working out pretty darn well. If we continue to work well together, why not make it permanent? And thus, Top Crop Alliance was formed. So as of August 
of 2021 here. Uh, we are now one agency covering all of Southeast Indiana with the goal of being the customer's first call, being that go-to person, having enough expertise at different places to make sure everybody gets what they need. You know, if, if you need somebody to talk to that's an agronomist, I mean, Rick's no such as an agronomist himself, um, but talk to me is more the agronomy-focused person. Rick, with his focus on, on the details, his farmer mentality as well, because he has a, a little farming acres as well he kind of works with. Um, plus, then we've got the other, be it the granular agronomy services that are in-house, all the pieces the customer needs to be successful under one roof, Top Crop Alliance. Very good. So you have you have seed, obviously, um, you know, providing agronomy. You have you have the granular the granular business. Um, is there anything else that you know as as you come together that you really feel that, that you can leverage to to differentiate Top Crop Alliance from from um, whatever competition you may have in the area. As far as a product or service that we provide beyond granular and seed, not really. It, it's, it's really a focus on, on being a partner on those guys farms, right? Um, uh, understanding what their acres are, understanding uh, what their priorities are, and, and putting products and, and agronomy services and uh, recommendations in place to make that operation successful. Um, you know, I've always been uh, uh, a team player when it comes to from a business standpoint of, of they've got to succeed and we've got to succeed. And as long as we have that relationship and we understand that relationship, we'll both be successful. Um, there's lots of other opportunities that we could offer, uh, lots of other services that we could offer. But our, our focus really wants to be on doing what we're doing and doing it well. Outstanding. So I think at this point, maybe we'll pivot just a little bit and, and, you know, get a, get a more granular view on how the growing season has went in your area. You know, we've, we've had some recaps from around the country and around the state, but there's always a little bit more you can learn from a, from a, a more granular approach. And so, um, Brian, if you want to start us out with, just kind of a, what, what's the growing season been like over the, this year? And, you know, what struggles have you had throughout the year? Yeah, Ben, so big picture. Um, I think it's easy to say farmers are very pleased with this year. Um, but you don't really get to the, the, you know, harvest, how we are here without understanding kind of the season we went through. So in our area here, kind of in the southeastern part of Indiana, we had some guys that got rolling the first week of April. Um, and to a man, everyone said, man, this is the best planting conditions I've had in the last three years. So um, through a lot of our agronomy work, we focused a lot of guys on planting soybeans early. So we had a lot of beans that went in the ground early. Um, and then cold April, followed by a cold start to May, probably limited some stains in those soybeans. So we had several calls where it was out there on that, you know, marginal population, 70,000, 90,000. Um, stands that were final out there for soybeans. Um, there are some guys that were rolling hard with corn as well. But in general, most of the corn went in probably closer to that May 10th, May 20th window um, a lot more. Um, we were very blessed with rainfall this year uh, at the wrong times. We had uh, at least three to four different five-inch rainfall events, um, one in May, two in June, and one in September then. So uh, from an agronomist perspective, um, 
all of our dark ground, the heavy ground, the, you know, the more poorly drained, the higher yielding ground on a normal year. This year, um, it's actually turning out to be the lower yielding parts of the field. Um, restricted root growth because those roots just sat in water for so long. Probably pushed some of that extra nitrogen out of that profile as well. Um, so we're seeing the better ground, the better yields this year coming on more of the higher ground, kind of the, the, the sloping soils versus the black bottom ground there. Um, I think like all of Indiana, August was hot, was dry, led to water stress, lack of water stress in this case, instead of too much water stress. Um, we had some of the earliest crops that came off um, that were disappointing. Um, soybeans that were in the low 50s um, for yield, but that kind of quickly changed. Um, and those were the guys that, that when you talked to them and said, yeah, in August, they didn't catch a drop of rain. They could watch the storms go past them, north, south, east, west. Um, and then quickly, as we got past that very first early season beans planted early, we turned into upper 60s, 70s, even pushing 80 bushel field averages on soybeans. Um, so very good yields um, for soybeans there. Yeah. Um, Ricky, you want to talk about corn at all? Uh, yeah, sure can. Um, and, and I want to start with saying, you know, Brian mentioned it, but uh, we did. We had a lot of soybeans planted early. You know, in the last several years, we've really been pushing hard of let that corn planter sit when we're going out super early. Let the bean planter run. You've got more of a, a chance of success with um, a, a, a stand reduction in soybeans and what you do corn. So I would say if, if, if those corn planters had rolled early, like they typically do, we probably would have had more of a replant situation in corn than what we did. Um, so I think it was pretty fortunate that, that guys uh, really grasped the idea of, of getting that bean planter rolling. And then, and, and, and now we're seeing in yield then in, in the soybeans, even those thin stands, we're, we're very, very happy uh, with where we're finishing up. From, uh, yeah, from a corn standpoint, um, seeing a lot of success. You know, seeing a lot of ear flex, seeing a lot of, um, uh, you know, some of those thin stands where we where we did come out of that spring in, in tough emerging conditions, still generally really happy with with where we're ending up at. So, um, you know, the pioneer genetics and the flex that we've got in our lineup is really is really showing strong. So, you know, biggest yield limiting factor this year that we've seen thus far goes back to those heavy season, those early heavy rains. Uh, depending on where we located it at, like like Brian said, you know, multiple four to five inch, six inch rain events um, really pushed our nitrogen down while not allowing our roots down to, to follow that down and bring it back up. Um, you know, it, just limited root growth in general in a lot of those areas is really uh, is really showing up and and probably going to be some of our more limiting factors and then uh late season disease as well is, is going to be a huge one you know we we've seen probably more gray leaf spot early uh than what we have for a long time and um some of that was has was addressed early and we're seeing some yield results coming in on some early fungicide applications that are positive um you know we, we've seen a lot of gray leaf spot we've seen a lot of southern rust come in uh, late. Um, a new one to us is tar spot. Tar spots come in and, and, and now we're going to look at, looks like we're going to have to address that going forward. So uh, I've heard very substantial yield uh, differences on fungicide applications versus checks this year so far with, with what limited checks we've, we've seen come in. They've, they've been very positive. One thing to go with that too, Rick was really big this year, had some trials out. 
we have several customers that are looking at two fungicide applications. One kind of at a tassel, pre-tassel range, then falling back up with an R3, uh, a milk stage. I'm excited to see how that's going to turn out because, you know, like every, it seems like almost every year, you go out there at tassel time and you always wring your hands and go, gosh, there's some disease out here, but is it enough to really justify spraying? Um, this year we had it. We had enough gray leaf spot pressure. We were telling guys, you should spray. And then with a hot and dry August, typically you think, okay, the disease is going to slow down. We won't see as much. Um, this year we're finding more of our the fungicide strips, the check strips. I mean, double digits easy, if not pushing 30 to 40 bushel responses in many cases. The healthier plants, the, the, the hybrids that have a better disease package, like a 1587, very strong against our, our gray leaf spot, northern leaf blight. Those are really shining in yield results this year. So it just goes back to the point that in southeastern Indiana, leaf diseases are an every-year occurrence. Spring fungicide is, is almost a must if you're shooting for those very high yield levels. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think less just from a geography standpoint, we can be hot and dry, which pushes in southern rust and, and gray leaf spot. Or we can be more cool and moist, which brings northern and now tar spot. And I think I think we get periods of both um, throughout the growing season. And that's where I feel very aggressive plant health management um, is really going to be key to growing really good corn and, and going forward. Yep, I I agree in many instances across southern Indiana, not not just the east side. I, I don't I don't want to let you guys think. You're, uh, you're too special. We've got so much humidity. We're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of disease pressure. But um, I want to circle back, Brian, to to your comment about bean yields, um, and ask you guys where you know where you fell in the trait transition to to E3. Because if you get on if you get on social media, if you get on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and, and look at the ads and everything, um, you know you might get the impression that that enlists enlist would not produce the good yields or yields that people would even be happy with so where are you guys at in that transition and as you know you've fed so good soybean yields so far this year um is that is that coming from enlist is that residual ex extend uh, what what are we actually looking at with those good bean yields so uh Brian, I can kind of take that a little bit. Um, in 2020, um, we were 80% extend, probably 80-90% extend, followed with some some uh, Liberty beans and and a few non-GMOs. But um, we were heavy extend. You know, we we were we were drinking the tea. You know, we were we were spraying uh, dicamba um, with with good success on weed control. Um, that last week before the cutoff date, guys were out in great weather conditions, spraying their dicamba. And then we caught, uh, in Southern Shelby County, some, uh, a, um, inversions, temperature inversions. And we seen a tremendous amount of dicamba damage in, in, in Southern Shelby County in 2020. So much so that, uh, I had more customers coming to me and saying, I will not plant dicamba any longer. I'm going to plant a list. They're going to come for you or they're going to come for somebody else. We've got a really high concentration of, of business in Southern Shelby County. So we had to look at it from an agency level and, and our customers that butt up to each other. And we want to put them all 
in the same program. That way they're not causing issues amongst you, Taylor. Did we have great yields from the extend lineup? Absolutely. Are they strong beans? Absolutely. But from a freedom to spray standpoint, from a uh, product performance, uh, weed control, water hemp is, is our number one problem we face. We needed a good option in season, and that's where Enlist came in. So we really made a hard transition, um, probably pushed, what, 95% Enlist, 90% Enlist in 2021. Um, and then with uh, just a handful of liberties and then a few extend beans uh, for those guys that still felt like they could, they could have adequate weed control and could manage it. Um, so, you know, and I see that trend continuing. You know, now that we've got some yield history, now we've got some yield performance versus uh, extend and extend flex. Um, you know, even, even some local retailers in the area saying, you know, enlist is going to be the route guys are going to go for 2022 and beyond. So Rick's customer base is a little bit for, yeah, thanks, thanks Rick. Yeah, so where Rick's customer base is a little bit further north than mine and had that temperature inversion in 2020, um, you know, stepping over from Pioneer Agronomist at the sales rep um, in the middle of harvest basically last year, I had several guys that, that when I first talked with them said, I've got to go enlist. I've got to have a weed control option. Then they harvested 80 bushel, 90 bushel field averages and said, how can I walk away from extend soybeans? So for my sales uh, this past year, I was probably 60% enlist, 40% extend. Because um, those guys that were extended, you know, it's not so much I want to extend. I want those Pioneer A-series genetics. I'm comfortable with those. Um, then fast forward to this year, soybean yields aren't what they were last year, whether it's extend beans, whether it's enlist beans. You know, 65 bushel or probably 75 bushel field average is going to catch a lot of soybeans this year. You're going to find the occasional, you know, 80, 80 bushel, somewhere in that kind of range. But the guys last year that were running 90 bushel field averages or 85 bushel field averages with extend are not running that same yield with extend this year. So the enlist beans yield, period. Um, you can control the weeds with the enlist. So all those guys that, that last year said, I've got to keep the extend almost to a man. They're saying this year, I'm going to transition to enlist because I've got to have more weed control options in my lineup. Um, if I can get the same yield out of enlist and I get weed control, that's a win. Why would I stick with extend? Yeah, I think, I think it's worth bringing up again. We've mentioned it several times on, on this particular program, but you know, supply, supply challenges, um, are forecasted to carry into at least 2022 and, you know, glyphosate and glufosinate roundup and Liberty, uh, they're projected to be pretty difficult to get a hold of you know they're they're already calling for a shortage going into this growing season um so you know if you're if you're looking at your neighborhood and there's a lot of non-dicamba beans out and you know you're you're banking on that to be your primary you know your primary in-season weed control it's 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 an uphill battle um just having that just having that one mode of action and that that you know Enlist supply, enlist supply looks really good, um, and we we're not going to be up against with enlist. We're not going to be up against some of the same global supply challenges that some of the other actives will, because enlist enlist is made right here in America. Um, we don't we don't have to have it shipped across the Pacific. We don't have to have it unloaded in a port, so we can we can mitigate some of the challenges that other actives are facing right now just through having enlist made here in America. So, you know, 
the the yields there, the the safety, the the, the safety of the system and the, the weed control that you get out of it are really good. Um, and it's an American company, so you've got the supply there when you need it. We're very confident in that. Um, so pivot again just a little bit. As you guys are out talking to your growers here going through harvest, um, you know, what, what, are, what are those conversations like? What are we looking at here over the next, next two to three weeks? Do you guys have any concerns with what's still standing? Um, Rick, if, if you would like to start. Yeah, sure can. Um, so, so again, generally guys' moods are, are very good. Um, you know, we've had a, a challenging year, like, like everyone is, uh, a lot of things thrown at, they're thrown at this crop. The poll yields out like we are after, after having a, a year like this, guys are, are, are generally, uh, are generally happy. So, with the market situation that we're in, um, you know, guys are, guys are going to have a profitable year to the point of supply and, and, um, and 2022 input cost, you know, fertilizer has been a big conversation. You know, we spent a lot of time writing fertilizer recommendations, uh, and, and pulling soil samples through the granular services. We've had a lot of conversations so far on how do we manage how we manage those fertility recommendations. Um, we're bringing in good yields. Do we replace those good yields? Do we get aggressive on our build programs? Um, or is it, uh, is, is, is this year to draw from the bank that we, that we build up in the soil? So a lot of the conversations that I've had uh, with customers is just that trying to look into next year and manage input cost, um, trying to get the crop in the out of the field, into the bin and um and and so far you know we've we've had a good good fall we've missed uh, some of the some of the bigger rains that that they've talked in the last couple of weeks so guys have just been kind of picking away at it one thing that's really interesting to me though we keep looking at you know 100 percent increases in potash and dap you know your fertilizers but the farmers that are out there pulling off exceptional yields and just saying i know it's going to cost me more how can I cut back on this? I want to keep pushing forward here. I want to put, continue to put more fertilizer out there and having the granular fertility system that we have, showing guys we can put more fertilizer here where we need it, where we're taking off the higher yield, back off other areas. We're just cutting it down by 20% or 50% to try and stay in the budget here. So helping guys walk that conversation, uh, some of the guys are saying, nope, it's full steam ahead. I want to keep building. Other guys are saying, that's a good idea. Thank you for helping me place that fertilizer in the right spot there. So that's been an interesting conversation to have farmer by farmer, customer by customer, because everybody's spot is different. If you own your ground, you treat it one way. If it's rented ground, well, several guys have been treating rented ground like it's their own ground, pouring fertilizer to it. And now they're saying, maybe I can pull back a little bit on that, use that bank a little bit. Um, but it, it's, it's so much fun just to hear the different, different philosophies, different ideas. How do I manage things properly to make sure that I can still grow good yields going forward here? Because nobody wants to, to not put on the fertilizer and see these yield levels drop off and not get the yield they need going forward. Yep. So Brian, you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier the fungicide response being, being quite substantial. Um, do you have, as we're, as we're getting farther into harvest with, with the corn that's still standing, are you seeing any stock integrity issues? I mean, if you're seeing a 30 to 40 bushel fungicide response, I've got to imagine that an unsprayed corn in particular that, that 
that they cannibalize themselves pretty bad. So what, what, are you, what are you seeing as far as intactness and corn and, and even in beans too? Ben, so far I got my fingers crossed. We've not had that big storm that seems to come in every October and blow half the corn over. So, so far we're standing pretty well, but you're finding more and more fields that the tops are out, which kind of is a sign that it's died earlier. You've gotten pushed on any kind of stocks. They are weak. Um, so there, there's those challenges that are out there. Right now in our part of the world, we're battling. We've not had a lot of good soybean running days. There's still a lot of guys that have a lot of beans left to go. And, and as we get into late October here, you know, the good days, the good hours that we get to run soybeans are tougher. So with that catch-22, do I go out and get this corn crop that I know could lodge? Because one big storm, it will be down. Or do I try and spend that four hours of the day that I get in the afternoon to run soybeans and get that finished up? So it's a tough call both ways. Um, I hope that every farmer's been out and checked their fields. Or if you haven't checked your fields, call your local sales rep. Give me a call. I'm, I'm happy to talk through things and walk fields as well. Um, we are definitely finding differences between products. Definitely where you've sprayed fungicide and not sprayed fungicide. There is a difference, no question. But some cases, even it's not just a fungicide. It's all the heavy rainfalls we had. It's lack of nitrogen. It's, it's shallow rooting depth. All those things kind of compounding on top of one another, leading to plants that have limped across that finish line. And then you limp across the finish line, um, sometimes they collapse. We haven't collapsed just yet, but that one big storm that comes through, they could. So please keep an eye on those fields. Yeah, for those for those that are long-term listeners of this program, you know, Brian just hit one of my favorite phrases. If you want to circle back to the very beginning of this seed growing season and, um, you know, play play along at home, you can count uh You'd probably need you'd probably need more than both hands to count the number of times that I've talked about compounding stress in this growing season. Um, but but it's it's a real it's a real issue, particularly as we have things as we have stuff still standing. You know, um, you have to think back about everything that that plants went through in the growing season. And and I'll mention one more, Brian, that that I assume you you're probably up against as well, but there was a period of time in July and August where we ran way behind on sunlight as well. And that's, that's not an easy one to measure. Um, we've, we've beat that one pretty hard on this podcast, but it, it has a real impact, um, particularly when you stack it on top of everything else. So, you know, as we look, as we look forward into, into 2022, you know, you're having, you're having those fertility discussions, um, you know, what, what sort of conversations are you having with your growers? What, what's in front of your mind that, that we need to be aware of um, going, going forward into, into 22, Brian? When I think about 2022, input costs are going to be important, no question. Because as guys have good yield this year, we have good prices. Unfortunately, the way the economy works out, prices are going to creep up there. So it's how can we be smarter on every acre of the farm there? I've got farmers I've already talked to that are saying, I can't afford to pay higher cash rent on that acre. So they're giving up ground. Focusing instead on how do I be better on the acres I've got. Um, I think it always comes down to having a good package. You know, this year we had several guys that went out and planted late group two or early group three soybeans, which is extremely early for southeastern Indiana. The first week of April, that kind of bit some guys because all the dry weather we had in August, um, those did not finish well. Whereas the full season beans caught some of those September rains and finished off nice. So as much as anything else, it's making sure we all want to hit grand slams, right? But winning baseball teams do a great job hitting doubles. 
You know, if you can hit solid doubles, you're going to keep scoring runs. We don't have to hit a home run every time, but we sure can't strike out. And sometimes if we're on those edges, I've got several guys. I had a guy that talked about planting 70-day corn and double cropping it. And we started doing some of that math and said, what are your expectations on that? Um, his expectations were, of course, you know, well, 180 the first crop and 180 the second crop. I said, no, that's, that doesn't work out. That may be swinging for the fences. How do instead do we make sure that we make good plans? And that, that comes into planning a good package of hybrids, you know, knowing what you're going for. Locally, I have a lot of guys who are in the non-GMO market. So I have a lot of non-GMO customers. It's how do we balance those right products going on those fields? You know, where we have that higher yield expectation, a product like 1185 conventional looks like it can step in there and really knock it out of the park here from a good plant health perspective, grain quality perspective, shorter stature. I think it's going to be a big hybrid we're going to have for next year. Um, then you start looking at some of the established hybrids. A 1359 is really hitting it out of the park for us all on that good productive acre. Um, not to mention some of those brand new things coming out of the, you know, that, that first year of testing, uh, looking really strong. So Pioneer has a strong corn lineup. Not to mention an established leader in list soybean lineup with even better things just over the horizon here. So I, I, I know it's kind of cliche, but plan a package. You know, we can't go out there and everybody, everybody trying to hit home runs. We don't all have that kind of ground for it. Making sure we can balance that risk. Make sure we're not flopping. You know, it, it had, a, had an old farmer tell me, it's hard to go bankrupt if you're making money on every acre. But they're always trying to do the next thing, the next micronutrient, the next biological. Sometimes those are dollars that we, we can look back at the end of the day and say, was that really my best dollar spent? If we don't have pH, P, K, nitrogen programs in place, let's maybe not spend that money on that extra thing that, that might work 10% of the time. So it, it's, it's not the fun and the flash, but how do we make sure we've got a good plan up front? Um, one thing that Rick has done and, and kind of re, really reinforced the importance to me is, is field plans. How do we know what, what crop, what product to put on every acre? If we can plan for success now as we're thinking about 2022. You do the field plan. We know our products. We know your soils. How do we make sure we get those things married together to make the best plan possible for 2022? Knowing things might go, go change. They might change. We might have to adjust a little bit. If we don't start with a solid plan, it's hard to finish with success. Rick, anything to add to that? Uh, no, I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think you covered it all. Well, guys, we're uh, you know we're coming coming up on a half hour here, maybe just over a half hour. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Schrader, is there anything any ground we haven't covered that? There's only two things that come to mind for me, Ben, when I, I've, I've really enjoyed getting to, to know Rick. I've certainly known Brian for a long time here, having worked with him at Pioneers Employees for a long time. There's, there's a couple things. I think it's interesting that the two things that they've hit on is the fertility and the fungicide specifically and the importance of that. I think those are the two things that folks are going to have to get their head around for 22 to Brian's point. Uh, and those are also two things that when you talk about that money well spent, there are guys that don't always have a lot of experience with those two things, or perhaps don't understand fertility. And those are the first two things that I think sometimes off that spreadsheet are debatable, are, are can be cut. And I think unfortunately, because of where we're at with tar spot, where you guys are at with uh, Southern rust down South those are two things that just cannot be non-negotiables. 
Brian hit it really well in terms of where do we spend our money correctly for the fertility side. But I really would encourage everybody that's a listener to the podcast to not make those your top two let's cut items when we start to look at our balance sheet for 22. And then the last thing that I want to point out is this combination that has come together between Rick and his uh, business partner, uh, David Hamilton and Brian, I want folks to understand that these guys are forward thinkers. Uh, H2AG was actually awarded our leader of distinction award in Pioneer in 2022. And yet Rick and his partners are pushing the bounds and trying to go to that next level of working with their customers or part as partners. And so they've come together and have, you know, partnered with Brian as well. And so I don't want anybody to think that they're just sitting around letting the status quo go. These guys are pushing the envelope and that's what it's exciting to hear them talk and exciting to hear what their agency is going to do here in the future. And so I didn't want the, the podcast to finish without acknowledging that on Rick and David's part, but also on the forward thinking of these three guys when they put their heads together. It's a great call out, Brian. Um, Brian Bush and Rick, is there anything else that you you want to get out to the to the masses here before we let you go yeah just one more thing brian thank you for that you know except big picture when rick and i sat down and talked you know strategic planning what, what's the future bring farming is complex it's going to continue to get more complex every farmer needs to have somebody that's looking out for their best interests and i think rick said earlier if the farmer doesn't win we don't win so we love being able to sit down and have some of those forward-thinking discussions with the guys, with the customers we work with, with those customers we don't work with yet today. What is their yield-limiting factor? What is their biggest headache? How can we help use our tools, our expertise to help address that, make those customers more successful as we go into the future? So that, that, that's what really gets me excited, pumped up and ready to go, and uh, I'm excited for the future, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that, and, and – uh... You know, I've always, of course, I come out of the technology world into seed. Uh, so that's near and dear to my heart. Um, and we'd be remiss not to not to mention Baron as well. Baron's also a, a, a granular services agent that's also within Top Crop as well, where he just focuses on that that granular business. Uh, so he and I uh, and, and Brian, all three work together and and I've really had a lot of good conversations with growers. Brian, Brian, you said it. Uh, earlier is, you know, having those conversations with growers is, is, has been eye-opening because a lot of the times when they rely on the retailer only to manage it, they don't have those conversations. And now they're starting to see, Hey, we can, we can have some, some decision-making and some, some input into what money we spend. And, and that's, that's, uh, that's gone a long way to be a part of that partnership to make sure they understand what they're spending their money on. And we're helping them make those wise decisions, whether it's fertilizer, whether it's fungicide, whether, you know, it's the seed plan, um, you know, just being a partnership there. And that's, and again, that's what excites me and, and, uh, and excites us about offering these services at a very high level. So Rick, if, um, you know, if, if anybody's heard anything that struck a chord with them today and wanted to get a hold of, get a hold of you guys to discuss that or discuss your agency or, you know, they just, you've just moved them to moved them to buy from you. How could folks get a hold of you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, topcropalliance.com is our website 
and uh, Brian does a phenomenal job of uh, managing our social media accounts. Um, so, so either one of those, Brian, what, uh, what's the best way on social media to get a hold of us? Yes, yeah, so the best way. So on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash top crop agronomy. Um, you can follow me personally on Facebook at brian.bush.agronomy um, or on the Twitter uh, at Brian B. B. Bush, B-U-S-H. Okay. And Brian Schrader, if folks would like to get a hold of you, how can they, how can they do that? Yep. You can get me on Twitter at uh, BK Schrader, or you can get me on the gram at B underscore K underscore Schrader. Okay. And you can follow me on Facebook at Ben Jacob Agronomy or on Twitter at the Ben Jacob. And if you folks are listening to this from the combine or as harvest is rolling on, I would love to get a message from all of you, wherever you're based at in the world with an update on yield and how things are running in your area. So as harvest rolls on, as always, we hope you're staying safe out there. We really do appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us. So, so stay safe and until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.